Wretched Radio begins in 3, 2, 1. If the God of the Bible really exists, I would go gladly to hell. And anybody happy to go to heaven to worship such a creature is morally bankrupt. It is because God's wrath is real that His mercy is relevant. Unless you have a real wrath, the biblical concepts of mercy and of grace are robbed of their meaning. It's time for Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. Well, no, I'm not going to break my promises, promises. Promises, promises, I'm all through with promises, promises. This is Wretched Radio. What was the promise that I made? We're going to dial it back on the trans stories, unless, of course, we're talking about our TV series or the new podcast titled Transformed with Dr. Greg Gifford. As a rule, we're going to stop with all of the... Recent outrageous stories from the trans community. You're supposed to interrupt me now, Jimmy. <laughs> okay, I was. <laughs> ay, ay, ay. And we're gonna uh, we're gonna dial back, yeah, Jimmy. What's happening? <laughs> you know, I'm trying to do a radio program here. <laughs> that opening, it was, it was, it was a little dated, was it not? Ah, I see. You're an evangelical, so you need something more current. A little bit. Well, we aim to please. The 80s, that's current for evangelicals. <laughs> Did we rehearse that? No. Should we even have attempted it? The answer to that is also a no. How am I not breaking my promise to dial back on the trans stories? Because if you recall, I said, only when we stumble into something that might be helpful, that might be an addition to our ability to engage the conversation. And so I have in my never-before nicotine-stained fingers, perhaps something that is helpful. This is from spectator.org. Headline, it's time to call out the misogyny of the transgender movement. Oh, well, isn't this interesting? Transsexual misogyny, as defined by these articles, are men who believe that womanhood can be reduced to long hair, lipstick, and some feelings. That's so true, isn't it? Whenever you see these typically men presenting themselves as women, it's a caricature. Really? That's what you think it is to be a woman? That, 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 that you dress up like some, I don't even know of any outrageous Hollywood celebrities that are that uh, grotesque in their presentation of, of, of being a woman. But that's what we see men do. And this article is tagging them. These transsexual women, men who think they're women, believe that because they feel how they imagine women feel, they are women. And these so-called trans women reduce womanhood to miniskirts, high heels, and uh, um, implants. Because that's all it means to be a woman. It was interesting that Matt Walsh asked, what is a woman? We're actually doing a video on this. We've done one before. But if I recall in Matt Walsh's documentary, he never really answered, what does it mean to be a woman? Is it because you wear nail polish? That your lips are Botoxed? That you have implants? That you wear very revealing clothing? Big wigs that 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 are not usually used by most people. That's it. What does it mean to be a woman? Well, there are performative issues. 
There are emotional issues that define what it means to be feminine. It's not just chromosomal. It is really our makeup. And as a rule, yes, there are some boys that are more feminine. There are some girls that are more masculine. That is true. But we're able to identify that because we know that innately, women are of a certain makeup. What do they excel at? What are they great at? A lot of things. What about their emotions? They tend to not have more emotions than men because we all have the same panoply of feelings. They tend to be more expressive. Now, sometimes that can be problematic and a danger for a woman if her emotions are not under control. But isn't it a blessing to have that addition to the masculine gender, which has a tendency to just keep everything in? But that happens to also be a strength of men. And so together we complement one another. It appears that transsexuals are not thinking about these, these characteristics and these attributes that make a woman a woman. Instead, they completely caricature it. This is again from the article saying uh, transgenderism is really super misogynistic and, and it's time to call it out. Feminists seem confused. Feminist women throw out the experiences of women to accommodate angry men. These men push women out of sports. They pretend to have menstrual cycles. They use infantile, sexist words like Barbie pouch. They make themselves into clowns and in doing so portray women as clowns. And you know what? That language I recognize is aggressive. But that is what they're doing to women. And shouldn't we say, uh, no, 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 no. You're not going to characterize women in a clownish manner. Stop. Because we actually value women. We have a high view of women. We esteem women. Women are image bearers of God. And they are needed to glorify God. And you are turning it into a charade. It's clownish. And it really needs to stop. Why can't our culture say those things? Why can't our culture say, look, this is, this is not kind to women? You might think that it's being kind to men. I would argue it's not being kind to a man who clearly has some mental confusion about the state of reality of his own personhood. But this isn't kind to women. It's not kind to children. It's not kind of truth. It's not kind of reality. Children are being dragged into this lifestyle. They're being sexualized. They're being exploited by parents and the medical profession and the creeps online who seek to despoil children for their own pleasure. Oofta, did you see that story in Atlanta? Now, let's we got to be fair here. Heterosexual people do wicked sexual things to children too, but there were two gay fellows that were well, they went they went to a civil service where somebody said they're married and they adopted two children and abused them really nasty, and then even farmed them out to their friends. Ooh, ooh, that's, that's, that is such wicked behavior. I guess I wouldn't use the word creep. That's evil. Let's use biblical language. That is downright depraved. Back to the article. The actions of these misogynistic and in some cases pedophilic men would be considered evil, but somehow all is forgiven because they wear lipstick and wigs. Oh. Man, where have we fallen? 
There was an article I was reading. Sorry, I don't have the source. It's buried too deep in my stack that it was really good, incidentally. And the, the person who wrote it, it was like for the American conservative or something, was clearly young earther. They had obviously been to the Creation Museum and understand that the uh, Bible makes it clear Genesis is in poetry because they said it was 4,000 years from the garden to Jesus suffering in the garden. Cool. But the point of the article was that we used to believe in demon possession and demonic influences. Now, while it's more sophisticated, maybe, just maybe, as things grow darker and darker, we'll return to identifying things as being evil, wicked, and even satanic. This individual, I believe it was a woman who wrote the article, and she doesn't wear a huge wig with ridiculous high heels, etc. She was citing the 210 Democrats who would not vote to save the lives of children who had been aborted and were still alive. That's satanic. Back to the article. Both the women who transition to men and the men who transition to women have distorted notions not only of their gender, but also of the one they wish to become. Men seeking to become women, caricature women as freely, carefree, hyper-feminized, and one-dimensional. And it's offensive. And we should be able to say so. Not with pejoratives, but to lovingly say, hey, um, you're presenting yourself as a woman. Why do you think that's what makes you a woman? That you look like a, a, a caricature that, that some artist drew at a circus of a woman? Transgenderism going in both directions is rooted in misogyny. This is a little hard, hard to follow, but worth it. Both the men seeking to become sexual, their sexualized, childish, and uh, prostitute-like interpretation of women are misogynistic. And the women seeking to escape more stereotypical feminine emotional states are misogynistic. In other words, the whole conversation is just that. It is misogynistic in nature. By the way, correct me if I'm wrong on this one. Jimmy, you can do that because, well, you do it all the time, frankly. Ithaca College in New York, uh -huh. they're creating separate dormitories for transgender and non-binary students. I have not heard that. Now, I, there all the wrong reasons. It's knuckleheadery to provide an inclusive space for non-cis identifying students and to create a supportive community on campus. But part of me goes, well, okay, if you're going to endorse that, then at least provide lodging for them where they're not mixing and mingling with people of the opposite gender. But the story is bigger than that. The transgender movement is not nice to real women. And if we lived in a culture where men had not become so feminized, um, we'd be standing up for our women. We don't have to call names. We don't have to be mean. But we should call it what it is. Misogynistic. This is Wretched Radio. Surprise! I continue to be surprised by MediShare, even though I researched it like nobody's business before Mrs. Freel and I committed to affordable, biblical health sharing as opposed to our traditional insurance plan. I researched, but I did not know all of the things that I'm discovering about MediShare. For instance, people are way more satisfied after making the switch 
The customer satisfaction rate is double that of typical health insurance plans. Double. Is MediShare right for everyone? No, nothing really is. But it might be right for your family, and you might be very, very happy with it, especially when you're saving, on average, $500 per month per family. Interested? Learn more at MediShare.com slash wretched, or receive a quote within two minutes by calling 844-34-BIBLE, 844-34-BIBLE. Hey, thank you so much for listening to Wretched Radio today. Now, I know if you're like the majority of people who listen to Wretched, you find yourself sometimes wondering, why do I listen to this? No, you find yourself sometimes wondering, what is going on at Wretched? If you're not already signed up for the free Wretched newsletter, that's your answer. Just go to wretched.org slash newsletter and sign up and you'll get monthly emails letting you know exactly what's going on at the ministry. From release dates to new resources, teaching on tough theology, topics, you're instantly eligible for free resource giveaways, and even Tons haircut and gym schedule. No, that's not true. But you will find out absolutely everything you need to know about Wretched. Just sign up at wretched.org slash newsletter. And while you're there, if you're not already a Wretched Gospel partner, head over to the donate page. That's wretched.org slash donate. Wretched. Amazing grace. Amazing gospel. For your consideration, not one but two ways that you could strengthen the local global church, the Masters Academy International, training men in Los Angeles who then return to their home countries and open up mini seminaries to train pastors in their native land. That strengthens the local church. But there's another way you can do just that. We are partnering with the Masters Academy International to send Bibles to the Philippines. Not just any Bible, MacArthur Study Bibles to believers in TMAI-trained churches. These efforts strengthen the local church. Would you please consider how many Bibles you might send? How many seminaries? you might support overseas to learn more visit wretched.org pastor or if you like the bible sending idea wretched.org bible important dates in christian history 529 a.d benedict of nursia establishes his monastic order outside of rome his written code of conduct, called the Benedictine Rule, becomes the most influential guide for centuries of monasticism in the West. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. One bad news, two good news. This is Wretched Radio. Here's the bad news. They're going to talk about trans again. Here's the good news. Not going to play Dion Warwick or Naked Eyes. The other good news is it's not about transgenderism. It's the Transformed podcast. You have no idea how much our shorthand inside of the ministry has caused us all to raise eyebrows. <laughs> Jimmy, what is it? My sound file. How did you type it out? Uh, trans podcast. What? <laughs> what are we doing here? Oh, it's transformed. Trans couples. <laughs> <laughs> well, oh, wait, oh, transform couple. Yeah, got it, got it. That's the, the new TV series we're working on. Now, you're about to hear a snippet 
pretty substantial one from Dr. Greg Gifford. He's the host of Transform, not to be confused with trans or transform couples with Dr. Lou Priolo. Dr. Greg Gifford hosts Transforms. This is individual biblical counseling. It is outstanding. We just launched the new Transformed with Dr. Greg Gifford podcast. You can get it on Spotify, Google, Apple, etc. It's so excellent. Wanted, I got to tell you, it thousands of people have listened. Now, I haven't seen the numbers on this, but after three and a half days, over 600 people had subscribed, I think on Google or app, one, one of them. That's a really great response because it's one thing to hear a podcast. It's another thing to say, I, I want to hear this again. And so it is. I'd like to share with you the brand new Transformed with Dr. Greg Gifford podcast to encourage you subscribe. And as you behold the glory of the Lord, that's what brings about transformation. And yet at times we focus on the lack of glory of our own sin and our shortcomings. Let me explain what I mean by this. If I'm struggling with anxiety, at times my day is focused on how anxious I really was that day. I begin to think things like, well, I trusted God in that one moment, but man, I was sure anxious the majority of the other times, just feeling overwhelmed and stressed. I wish I could be less anxious today. I get to the end of my day and I'm exhausted because I've been anxious all day. Well, instead of me focusing on the supremacy and the glory of Jesus, Hebrews 12, Hebrews 12 verse 2, who is the founder and the perfecter of my faith, today I just thought about my anxiety. Maybe this works similar for you as it has for others. You see, I find in counseling that if I say don't do it, put it off, that that's not helpful because many of us know that we shouldn't be anxious, but by simply saying don't be anxious, it doesn't make us less anxious. I'm still anxious. I just, I can't figure out what to do with my anxiety. There's no positive means of escape from this. There's nothing to put on in that way. You see, when we focus on our sin, oftentimes we stunt the growth that God is wanting to take place in our life because no longer is it about conformity to the image of God. It's now about when is the last time that you sinned? That's a very different thing. To ask when is the last time I sinned is very different from me saying, did I grow to be more like Jesus today? It's not that my sin is unimportant. It's not that I treat it with any less severity. The reality is now that it's not about when the last time I sinned, it's about am I being conformed to the image of Jesus Christ? That's what it's about. Now go back to 2 Corinthians chapter 3. 2 Corinthians 3, the first part says, behold the glory of the Lord. That's what brings transformation. When you behold the glory of the Lord, what takes place is that you're being transformed what are you being transformed into? You're being transformed into that same image from one degree of glory to another. Now, chapter four, verse four is going to say something profound about that image. Just what is this? Five verses later, verse four of chapter four says, in their case, the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. 
Satan has blinded the minds of those who are not believers. The veil still lies over their heart. But what can they not see? What can they not see? They can see many things. They can see sunsets. They can see landscapes. They can see careers. They can see family. But what can they not see? They cannot see the glory of Christ. Christ isn't beautiful to those that are not followers of Christ. There's there's a missing link here. There is no capacity to view him as being glorious and better. But Christ is the image of God. So here's the point. The point is that you and I behold the glory of the Lord. We focus on Jesus Christ and we begin to reflect him back through our transformation that you look more Christ-like whenever you are beholding the glory of the Lord. You reflect him back. So verse 18 says that you're being transformed into that same image. What image is it? It's the image of God. Jesus is that perfect image, chapter 4, verse 4. Who do you look like? You look more like Jesus. Our focus is not on our sin. Our focus is on Jesus. And when we focus on Jesus then what takes place is we look more like him. It's the symbiotic relationship. Transformation occurs when you are willing to put off your sin and put on a focus of Christ and his superiority. I want to finish this episode by helping you tease out what that means practically. Let's start with your day. Let's start with how you're structuring your day. Most of us are running by a calendar to a certain degree that we have obligations during our day. We have certain places we need to be. We have work. We have hobbies. We have social life. Whatever that looks like, we have our day oriented. Well, my day is going to be oriented around who is Jesus. I'm going to meditate on the attributes of Jesus Christ. How do I do that? Uh, Again, like I said last episode, there are attributes of God that perhaps you want to consider. Uh, There's little books One that I'm thinking of is by John Piper. It's the superiority and supremacy of Jesus Christ. Maybe you're going to study the life of Christ and you're going to get into the Gospels and continue to see who Jesus is and how he is God and man. Maybe what you're going to do is begin to write out little sticky notes all throughout your house and remind yourself of the nature of Jesus Christ. When you sin during the day, the, the question is not what sin did I commit, but the question is how did I fail to look like Jesus? When I'm struggling with anxiety, back to that point, how did I fail to look like Jesus? Well, I'm not completely trusting God the Father. So what do I need to do? I need to completely trust God the Father like Christ did. Not my will, but your will be done. As my day progresses, when I'm looking back over the day, instead of evaluating did I sin today? The question is going to be, did I trust the Lord more today? Did I grow in Christ's likeness today? Now, I know that as you're listening to this episode, you're driving in different parts of the world. I'm recording now from the Master's University in Southern California, and traffic is a thing. And yet, when we are sitting in traffic, it's an opportunity for us to behold Jesus and to be more patient to be conformed to the image of God while sitting in traffic. So when you get home and you look back over your commute, are you able to say that you are more like Christ by being increasingly patient? If I just look back at my commute and I say, well, that one guy cut me off and I got irritated, so it was all a waste. I sinned. 
I'm back at zero. The ticker has restarted. I'm at zero. Then I've missed the fact that there has been progressive steps of transformation in my life. So even though it wasn't a perfect commute, I was less impatient. I was more patient would probably be the correct way to say that. So now the way that I'm measuring my day as I look back is not, geez, did I sin today? It's how did I grow to be more like Christ today? I'll find that at times in counseling, people will feel defeated because of the fact that they sinned that day and then give up and continue to sin more. Well, it's because that's the wrong rubric by which to evaluate the faithfulness of your day. It's not about did you mess up today? It's about are you incrementally being transformed into the same image? If you're just going to track did you or did you not sin, then the result is going to be that we're defeated and now we give up in the endurance of this race. So Hebrews 12 grounds us. How do I practically do this? I look to Jesus. He's the measure of what I should be doing. When I look back over my day, he's the measure of am I conforming to his image? Is he the standard by which I'm measuring myself against? Or is it how many times have I sinned today? A savior-focused sanctification is going to fuel faithfulness for you. No longer are you going to be keeping track of did I sin, but you'll be keeping track of am I growing into the likeness of Christ? When we grow into the image of Christ, 2 Corinthians 3, then we are experiencing genuine transformation, true transformation, lasting transformation. You see, that's what we're longing for in the end. How do we change? Well, it's not our circumstances. It's not our environment. It's not our relationships. Those aren't the things that exclusively must change, that we need to change our focus. Our focus has to stay on Christ and not the sin that so easily entangles us. So good, so practical, so helpful, and so biblical. Check out the new Transformed with Dr. Greg Gifford podcast at your favorite podcasting site thingy majig. This is Wretched Radio. This is Wretched Radio, and I'm Jimmy Hicks. Well, first today, we're going to revisit a couple of stories that we've recently reported and give you some updates. First, if you remember, not too long ago, we told you about the brand new Scooby-Doo spinoff, Velma, where the writers decided it was a good idea to turn Velma into a lesbian, and the rest of the cast and show anti-racist. Well, their experiment tragically failed because IMDb has named Velma the worst rated animated series ever. Not just of the last year, but for all time. As a matter of fact, it received a 1.3 out of 10 stars. M&M's has experienced the same exact brokenness. Well, not really broke because they're standing up and reversing course before it goes that far. If you remember, we recently told you about M&M's making new spokes candies to be, you know, inclusive. Well, they have received some pretty massive backlash and made an announcement on Twitter yesterday that says, we're not doing this anymore. The actual quote is, we've decided to take an indefinite pause from the spokes candies and in their place, we are proud to introduce a spokesperson. In the beginning of the statement, they actually said we weren't sure anyone would even notice these changes in our spokes candies. That doesn't make a whole lot of sense because the whole purpose of having a spokesperson is to bring recognition 
attention to the brand they represent. That one doesn't check out. But M&M's did reverse course before their wokeness resulted in brokeness. The proposal to change UK legislation to protect the rights of women experiencing menopause has been rejected by the UK government due to fears that such a move would discriminate against men. <laughs> the first reaction is, well, it can't discriminate against men because men don't get menopause. But hey, we're living in a world where they actually can or that want you to think that they can. It is so nutty out there, isn't it? And here's a story that's just kind of weird to me. A prominent atheist organization has demanded that an Indiana sheriff's office cease the promotion of inmates' baptisms on its social media pages, and they're threatening legal action if they continue. Here's what's weird to me. If you're a true atheist, by definition, you don't believe there is a God that exists. So why do you care so much that other people do? To describe themselves as non-religious people, most atheists are the most religious that you'll ever meet because doing things like this is nothing but evangelism for their anti-God religion. More Wretched Radio is straight ahead. I'm Jimmy Hicks. Books of the Bible Because God's people disobeyed, He sent them into exile. The book of Ezra tells us of Israel's return under Ezra's leadership and preaching, and how Israel underwent a period of intense reformation. When you experience divine chastisement, look to Ezra to see that God's discipline is meant for your restoration and reformation. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. President Joe Biden is correct. <laughs> <laughs> the cowardly line. <laughs> he's, he's actually right. Well, at least on this. This is Wretched Radio. Perhaps you recall the president of the United States went to Ebenezer Baptist Church, which heretofore we were told by liberals presidents aren't supposed to be doing that. But the liberal president gets a pass when he goes to Ebenezer Baptist, totally mangles the gospel, blurring the distinction between law and gospel, which is a big deal. If we do not know the difference between law and gospel, we will forever be muddled. We will be forever stunted in our growth. The president, don't expect him to know that distinction. He totally erased the line and said the gospel is law. But he did say something that I think is correct. And when the president identifies something as correct, um, it's pretty obvious. And I think it is because we haven't just been reading about listening to the fall of a great civilization. We feel it, don't we? Perhaps you've said this. You've definitely heard it. It's all happened so fast. It hasn't because ideologies have been seeping their way via academia, through Hollywood, through music, poetry through books. It has made its way into Western civilization, a liberalism, a godless liberalism. But consider the late 50s. You have to identify Elvis as not being the one who, 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 who caused people to behave in a more sexual nature, overtly and publicly, including lyrically in their music. Because when you watch an old Elvis concert from 1954, 5, 6, 7. And these girls are going absolutely crazy for him. 
because of his gyrating, even though he had a suit and tie on, it was still very sexual compared to Pat Boone. But look at the girls. They're dressed up in their poodle skirts. They've got their little saddle shoes on. Their hair is they look all prim and proper, and they are going nuts. Why? He, he didn't cause it. He just revealed what was simmering there. And it broke open, and then it started to devolve even further into the 60s with the sexualized music, the drug-addled music, with, with, with the, the, the depraved nature of rock and roll stars. And we have seen since the 50s and 60s a more overt expression of sinfulness as Christianity abates in society. And if you are if you're wanting to ask the question, well, what what where when did this fall happen in our society? Don't look at the 50s or 60s. We're inclined to do that. Well, that was the sexual revolution, but the revolution didn't start all by itself. It it started decades before the revolution busted open. And you have to ask, well, who who changed? What 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 pieces of the Jenga puzzle moved to allow this revolution to take place? And I think you have to point a finger squarely at the church. The church changed. Consider the liberal Protestantism that made its way into America in the early 20th century. Consider how the the the, the Protestant movement moved so aggressively toward a social justice gospel. Furthermore, hate to say it, we evangelicals participated in it with our easy believism, with our mass altar calls, which have been revealed. To de- it demonstrates that those people didn't actually get saved because we don't ever find them in a church. And a Christian who gets saved is going to get himself into a church, and they didn't. And so easy believism, liberal Protestantism, it's the church that left the culture, that abandoned the culture, that allowed the culture to start doing what it started doing in the 50s, 60s, etc. And so it is today we are seeing now the J-curve. All of that we've been marching and now, whoom, and we feel it and we are at an inflection point. Question, what are we going to do? You felt it. You've said it. Oh, it just feels like everything is changing. How did this happen? We're here. The history books will mark this time. And the question will be asked, how did the Christians respond? Let's consider how now we shall live in light of the fact that we are in an inflection point. From Carl Jan Christian Roth, he's a Swedish pastor living in Denmark. He's actually asking the question, will America slide religiously the way that Europe has? And he actually makes the case, oh, there's some significant differences between the U.S. and the path of Nordic nations. First, the U.S. was founded on religious freedom through the non-magisterial reformation. That's the Protestant reformation that wasn't integrated by nation states or dictated by royal courts. The, mag- the magisterial reformers, there was a blending of church and state. The non-magisterial reformers said, no, 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 we're just going to, we're, we're down with liberty. In many ways, the U.S. was a place of refuge for Anabaptists and Puritans who lacked religious freedom in their European homelands. 
feels like there's a push to return to that these days, isn't there? Religious freedom seems to have been written into the foundation of America in ways that are decidedly not the case in the Nordics. Of course, a country founded on religious liberty can still end up equally post-Christian, but the path to get there will look different than in those with national churches. That's instructive and helpful, isn't it? There seems to be a critical mass of cynicism toward religious institutions throughout the West that has long been established with Anglican, Catholic, and Lutheran churches in Europe. An increasing numbers, they reject participation and membership in state-sponsored religious activities. There's a push right now to have state-sponsored religion. Right now. Back to the article. As this trend spills into the U.S., American churches need to draw clear distinctions between the dominating religious systems, traditions, and hierarchies and the true gospel Christianity, demonstrating the falseness of cultural Christianity or even so-called Christian nations. We need to make that distinction known to the public. Who makes no distinction. There's no discrimination. You're a Christian? Well, this is what I think about Christianity. That's what you are. And we would do well to say, nope, the cultural Christianity, the pretend Christianity, the hypocritical Christianity, which isn't Christianity at all, that's not us. That's not who we are. We, we, we are the religion that follows Jesus Christ, who surrenders to our King and finds true joy, abundant life in Him. That's what Christianity is. Now, another article from Market Watch. Rise in middle-aged white deaths of despair may be fueled by loss of religion. New paper, new research argues. Deaths of despair from suicide or alcohol abuse have been skyrocketing. Hmm. The paper from University of Notre Dame and Ohio State University looked at the relationship between religiosity and morality from deaths of despair. The paper was circulated by the National Bureau of Economic Research. Many measures of religious adherence began to decline in the late 80s, and they find the large decline in religious practice was driven by the group experiencing the subsequent increases in morality, white, middle-aged Americans without a college degree. So in other words, we are seeing depressed people, suicidal people, and there's an increasing link between religious involvement and predominantly in America, of course, that has been Christianity. Once again, we are seeing that in a post-Christian culture, people are dying of despair. The repeal of blue laws in particular, which used to be closed on, it limited commerce on Sunday. Those laws have been shown to be strongly related to religious practice, creating discrete changes in incentives to attend religious services that are plausibly unrelated to other drivers of religiosity. So people would go to church, and guess what? They didn't die of despair. Now, blue law commentary aside, what do we do with this? What do we do as, as, as we're in this inflection point? It seems to me, biblically, the solution is so obvious. It's, it's not to somehow return to European church-state models. It's to proclaim the gospel and to stand boldly, to speak clearly. You've seen a lot of bad Christianity, which isn't Christianity at all. Here's the true Christianity. God is holy 
and he reigns over this universe and he reigns over you and you are going to give an account for your life to the king. And you will not bribe him, you will not blackmail him, your tears will not move him. And he will give you the justice that you deserve, but he's rich in mercy. And he sent his son to take the punishment you deserve. That's the Christian gospel. Run to Jesus Christ, the King of kings, who stooped to die to save sinners. That's Christianity, not the other garbage that you've seen. Run to him. And when people get saved, what do they do? They find themselves in churches surrounded by like-minded people, and they do not kill themselves. Do you want to change the inflection curve? Well, here's how we can do it as Christians. Preach the gospel. This is Wretched Radio. Just because Roe v. Wade is overturned, that does not mean the battle for life is over. Would you please consider supporting Preborn Ministries, providing ultrasounds that genuinely save lives? That ultrasound changed everything for me. It really did. That made it all worthwhile to know that I was going to have a little blessing when she got here. It was just, oh my gosh. Another woman who chooses life because she saw an ultrasound. Her life, and obviously her baby's life, changed. When I heard her heartbeat, I decided to keep her. And now my daughter's about to be three. I don't know where my life would be without her. The war for life continues to rage. Would you please engage in the battle and support preborn centers at preborn.org slash wretched. Preborn.org slash wretched. Transformed, the podcast with Dr. Greg Gifford is already a hit with literally thousands of listeners and subscribers in the first two weeks of its existence. If you haven't heard the Transform podcast just yet, here is what you've been missing. How do we change? Our focus has to stay on Christ and not the sin that so easily entangles us. New episodes drop every Saturday morning with Dr. Gifford tackling issues we all encounter, but he uses only the Bible as the sad. Transformed in all of our resources are only possible because of the generosity of our gospel partners. If you're not already a gospel partner, I would encourage you head over to wretched.org slash donate right now and get the answers that you're likely looking for on what it means to be a wretched gospel partner. That's wretched.org slash donate and check out the Transformed Podcast, transformed.org slash podcast or anywhere podcasts are heard. Cool, very cool. The Tomorrow Clubs now have 106 clubs in Romania. This year marks the celebration of the 25th anniversary of our ministry. But also, it is a very important milestone for Tomorrow Clubs Romania. Now, Tomorrow Clubs Romania has 106 clubs. That means 106 villages are hearing the gospel proclaimed to the kids who get saved. They bring the gospel home. Parents get saved and local churches get strengthened. Would you please consider supporting the Tomorrow Clubs? Not only do they have hundreds of clubs in Romania, Ukraine, Russia, Albania, all over Eastern Europe, and now in Africa, would you please consider what might you do to bring the gospel to both Africa and to Eastern Europe? Tomorrowclubs.org slash wretched. 
names of God. Is Jesus God? One name given to God in Scripture is El Gibor, the Mighty God. One occurrence of this name stands out. In Isaiah chapter 9, El Gibor is the name given to the promised Messiah. Jesus is that promised Messiah. He is God incarnate. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. It's story time. Okay, it's really just an anecdote, but I do believe it contains some biblical truth. This is Wretched Radio. How do we help our world heal? What's the illness? It appears ethnic relationships are at an all-time low. Is it any wonder? There has been a push now for decades, but a concentrated effort over the last 10 years to separate ethnic groups, to pit us against one another. And it's even found in academia and the halls of power. Here are two stories that make that point. Colorado College professor says astrophysics are racist. Huh? A Rhode Island professor has declared math, statistics, and technology as inherently racist. How does that happen? Quote, as an astrophysicist, I'm a product of institutions that are steeped in systemic racism and white supremacy. Isn't that interesting? Like 98% of academia, upper education, they're liberal. But apparently because they're white, there's systemic racism. Quote, the tenets of white supremacy that show up in physics of individualism and exceptionalism and perfectionism is either or thinking. There's no subtlety. There's no gray area. Either do well or you don't. What? maybe I don't understand this and and maybe I can't because I'm white, but isn't this person basically saying that exceptionalism and perfectionism, that's just a white thing. Isn't that a bit offensive? That's what it feels like to me in the halls of power, Texas representative Sheila Jackson Lee introduces bill to combat white supremacy. All right. Representative Lee introduced the Leading Against White Supremacy Act of 2023, which aims to prevent and prosecute white supremacy inspired hate crime. Not a fan of hate crime because all crime is hateful. That's a thought crime. And that's precisely where Representative Lee goes. It aims to prevent and prosecute white supremacy inspired hate crimes and conspiracy to commit white supremacy inspired hate Hate crime. That's a lot to say that if you say anything that causes somebody to go, yeah, let's go be racist, then you've committed a hate crime. The conspiracy addition means people who use hate speech online could face criminal charges under the legislation, even if they don't act on their threats. So me just talking about this legislation could make me guilty potentially of committing a hate crime of white supremacy. That includes a person who publishes material advancing white supremacy, white supremacist ideology, antagonism based on replacement theory or hate speech that vilifies or is otherwise directed against any non-white person or group. Is it any wonder that we are at war with one another? How do we 
aid in the healing of a nation that is torn apart. Well, there's an option. Here's option one. Marvin Olasky is addressing that the morality of our nation needs to really come from a heart change, from regeneration. He writes this, In the Old Testament, all idols in the land of Israel were to be destroyed. And yet in the New Testament, the Apostle Paul never tried to remove pagan altars and idols from public streets in the city of Athens. Consider Acts 17. He didn't come in and say, hey, you've got a bunch of idols. Christ is sovereign over all. They've got to go. Instead, he preached Christ's sovereignty over all. He and the gospel writers emphasized proclaiming the good news of Christ at every opportunity without calling for the imposition of biblical law. We even see this in the work of Jesus. He drove the money changers out of the temple, but he didn't drive Romans out of other places. In fact, he told his followers and hearers to obey them, even when they have ridiculous and tyrannical legislation like carrying their backpack for a mile. He tells them to go two miles. What in the world? Israel, this is Olasky, Israel had already become a most unholy land by AD 70 when Roman soldiers destroyed the temple. After that, one land was not considered holier than others. The great tragedy of ancient Israel was that God's people sinned in a land that of all lands should have been the least conducive to sin. Uh, And the Jewish people, I'm sorry, I just think they're smarter than the rest of us. <laughs> just, and I think Mr. Nobel would affirm that based on the number of peace prizes they've won. They're just smart. They should have been able to be a moral people. And what do we see all throughout church history? Immorality, immorality, pagan worship. Awful, awful, wicked, atrocious behavior. Side note, we never see God say that the lesser magistrates need to remove the upper magistrate. Instead, there would be bad king after bad king. And we see a people that were set up to actually be a moral people with God's laws, but they couldn't do it. They sinned in a land that of all lands should have been the least conducive to sin. If ancient Israel's laws given by God, did not bring about righteousness in this most hospitable of environments, how likely are holiness laws to succeed in less favorable environments? Now, there are some laws we really want in place. We want a lot of laws. There's a lot I'd like in place. Now, whether it's the government's job to mandate them, I certainly don't want them permitting murder and rape, abuse of children, embezzlement. But what about thinking? What about my heart? What about my attitude? As we see that imposing those types of laws through the government, historically, it hasn't worked. Old Testament history teaches us not to be prideful in thinking we can create earthly utopias or even sustain the ones handed to us. Sin comes from within, not from our surroundings. God taught humanity that sin crouches at our door, even in the best of environments. Whether the original Eden or Israel's semi-Eden, he has shown us our desperate need for Christ and the necessity of accepting no substitutes. And that brings us to response option number two and my anecdote. 
which I happen to think is biblical. It was Saturday night. It was all right for a fight, but instead went out to dinner with a young couple celebrating their first year of marriage. (laughs) You actually remember me talking about these whippersnappers about a year ago, because this was the fellow. He's a dude. Okay. He's not an effeminate fellow. He's a guy who almost lost it when he saw his bride walking down the aisle. I mean, he was like, (laughs) like many of us were. And they're celebrating their first anniversary. We went out to dinner and it was so encouraging. We didn't talk about politics in four hours. Furthermore, they were actually interested in hearing from older people. How do you do it? How, how, what do you, in this situation, you know, how does, how does stuff, they were willing to listen to older people because they actually desired to do marriage well. And they're not the first young couple that we've had a meal with that desired that same thing. If you're young, you should desire that. And if you are older, please know they are willing to let you download your marital wisdom. We walk into the restaurant, seated in the booth right next to us. Two couples, both of they they all had more melanin than we did. And they were celebrating a birthday because they had a cake that had the number 50 on it. And it was a gorgeous cake. And as we're taking off our coats, we made eye contact and I said, wow, nice cake. Whose birthday is it? It's her birthday. Happy birthday. That sure is a lot of cake for four people. Just saying, we're sitting right here, joking, sat down. What did they do? They cut four slices of cake, put them on plates, and pass them over to us. How sweet. No pun intended. How sweet is that? Then we chit-chatted a little bit, but then at the end of the night was the tell. As they're leaving, I grabbed the guy by the arm and I said, Hey, I I know it's maybe sounds silly, but you you, you really... were kind to us by giving us that. Thank you for that. That really made our night. And he said... Well, I hope you have a blessed evening. And out they went. And I thought, there it is. There, that, that, that's, 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 that's the glue that is needed. That we are in Christ together. Olasky ends his article. Without a land to preserve, but with a gospel to proclaim, the primary directive for early believers was to bring in the sheaves rather than to try enforcing biblical law. We can't make people like each other when they don't share the same skin. We can't make people like each other when they do. But Christ can, and it can be sweet. I have seen the devolving of ethnic relations in Atlanta for the last 15 years since I've been here. But it can be sweet. It can be so profound. And the only way that that can happen on a genuine, deep, profound level is when people are in Christ. You want to heal ethnic divisions and wounds? There's one cure, one solution, Galatians 3. Preach the gospel and bring everybody into Christ. And until tomorrow, go serve your king.